0: God, you know I can do these talks by myself. They sure are better when you do them. Holy Spirit, this time's yours. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 37 years ago, my wife and I got married and we were stupid. (laughs) I was a hell-raising, beer-drinking hillbilly and she knew that. And we got married without any pre-marriage counseling, which was stupid. As we would have discovered some things about each other prior to getting married and would have saved us both a lot of pain. Because two weeks after we got married, we moved to Nashville, got in our little one bedroom apartment. She gets up on Sunday morning and remembers that she's a Baptist. <laughs> this is a detail she had forgotten to tell me in our courtship. And she said, we are going to church. I said, we aren't doing nothing. I don't go to church. It's Sunday. I drink beer and watch football. We're going to church. No, we're not. And so began one of our first big fights, and she cried and got mad. And Of course, we're in Nashville. It's the buckle of the Bible Belt. There's more Baptists in Nashville than people. (laughs) So it didn't take her long when she left home and left me sitting there to go out and find her tribe. She found a little Baptist church and went in there and worshiped with them and came down front. And those little Baptist people prayed for her heathen husband. And this scene repeated itself several Sundays in a row. It wasn't going well, y'all, can you imagine? These have been things we should have known about each other up front. And then I got in one of those multi-level things, you know, those things where you make all your friends mad, <laughs> trying to sell them stuff and recruit them into stuff they don't want to do. And we, me and my beer drinking buddy would go to happy hour and then go out and make sales calls and we were so dumb we couldn't figure out why we couldn't make a sale. So we were gonna get rich, you know. We were gonna get a big house and a yacht and da 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 da, and all the get rich quick stuff. You know how that stuff works, and we were gonna do all this stuff. And so they were having one of their training programs in Birmingham, Alabama, which is about two hours south of Nashville. And so me and beer drinking Bob, getting a that's not his real name, um, get, get in a car and drive to Birmingham, Alabama, to the Alabama Theater, which in my mind felt like there was ten thousand people. We used it for an event the other day. It holds eight hundred, but. It felt really big at the time, at 22 years old, and men, beer drinking Daryl and his other brother Daryl, you know, we're sitting up in the back, in the very back row, and the guy gets up at the end of the day, and he's the guy we had come to see, see, because we knew he had the answer, because he was making like four hundred thousand dollars a minute or whatever it was, right, with the big checks, you know, the you know the guy, right, and so he's going to show us how to do the business, and we had written down four or five questions, and. Man, it was as if he had our four or five questions as his talk. And so he already had credibility. But then when he read our mail, by the time he got to the end of his talk, he owned us. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Say yes. Yes. And and so then he says, and there's one more thing. And we said, no, there's not. We got all our questions answered. There's one more thing. If you don't know God, you're going to struggle in business because you're going to treat people as a transaction. And Jesus believes people are a relationship. And business people that understand that succeed in business, and those that don't, don't. My buddy and I are looking at each other going, what's he talking about? I said, I think he's been talking to my wife. (laughs) So me and Daryl, my other brother Daryl, we go back to the Holiday Inn or whatever it was, and we get the Gideon Bible out. (laughs) It was in King James. Shakespeare and Jesus together right there. There is zero chance this redneck's figuring this out, right? <laughs> zero chance. <laughs> so we just closed that as blind leading the blind to say the least. And I, went, I did go home and I told my wife, I said, we're going to church. And she said, who are you and what have you done with my husband? <laughs> and we went to some of these churches. And you know, some of these churches, um, somebody ought to tell them that, you know, walking with God is fun. Some of these people look like they were weaned on a pickle. You know what I'm talking about? You know, it's like sour face. Like, I don't want to be like Jesus people that are like that, you know. And so anyway, we kept going and we went in the back of this little church and it was kind of like Pentecostal light, you know, it didn't, they sort of raised their hands sometimes or whatever, but, and and, you know, this lady in the choir starts raising her hands and somebody else is raising their hands and they're swaying and, I told Sharon and I, we were sitting on the back, and I said, if they get snakes out, I'm out of here. And so, but, but something kept drawing us back to that little church. There was a, about 400 people at the time we started going there, and the pastor was old, hardcore, really solid preacher, and good man, knew the word, preaching the word of God. And he's like, and if you don't agree with that, you're what's known as wrong, which I say all the time now. <laughs> I like somebody to take a stand, you know? He's wimpy little... Ugh. Can't stand it. Be, be who you is, you know? And, and he, So he was a man, and I thought Christians were wimps. And So this guy was a man, and, and his wife, you know, he'd stand at this old, old school church. He'd stand at the back, and church was over shaking everybody's hand, and she's standing back there with you. She's a big, squishy woman. she give everybody a big hug, you know, big grandma hug, right? And she smelled like grandma, you know, and, and you know what I'm talking about? People that love people. You know what I'm talking about? And the Holy Spirit was just dripping off of them. And we didn't even know what the Holy Spirit was. But we kept coming back and we kept coming back. That man led me to the Lord and began my walk learning the Bible because I didn't know nothing, y'all. I was bad. I do everything backwards. I had um, started selling and buying real estate about that time back You know, early in the first time we attended that church. I had, that was my new job. I left that other thing pretty quick. And, and, and it was working and starting with nothing at 22 years old. By the time I was 26, I was rich. I had $4 million worth of real estate, a little over a million dollar net worth, and I was making $250,000 a year. That's $20,000 a month in 1984. I don't know where you were raised, but the neighborhood I was raised in, we called that rich. It was fun too, y'all. You know, we, we always had that car I always wanted. You got that car you always wanted? Man, I, went, I thought, I'm going to get me a Jaguar, because nobody in my old neighborhood can even spell Jaguar. Much less knew what it was or how much it cost, so it was extra cool, you know, exotic. I'm driving that Jaguar, man, within 90 days, baby, I was a Jaguar. You know, it's like, right? We were having fun. We went to Hawaii, rednecks in Hawaii, y'all. And you know what? It was so much fun, you know what we did? We went back to Hawaii, And my wife, we got her some of those sparkly things for her hands and her ears and she liked them and so we got her some more. We were having fun. Sometimes I hear these people say, all those rich people are miserable. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Now I'm not here to tell you money will make you happy. Money will not make you happy. Money will make you more what you already are. If you're happy, you'll be real happy. If you're depressed, you will become unbelievably depressed. If you're angry, God help the people around you when you get money because you will be a rageaholic. If you're crazy, you'll get crazier. And the people in your life, they become more too. The crazy in your family, it gets crazier when you get money. And every family has crazy. If you think there's not crazy in your family, it's you everybody's got at least one so everything was going good I mean we were I mean I met God on the way up that's kind of backward but I had done some stupid stuff nothing illegal I didn't lie to anybody I didn't cheat anybody I didn't do anything wrong there was no fraud or anything like that I just did some stupid stuff with money. How many of you ever done something stupid with money? How many of you didn't raise your hand and have a problem with lying? (laughs) If you made mistakes with money, it makes you over 12. So our largest bank got sold to another bank, and a guy in another city looked down and said, there's a kid 26 years old owes us a million dollars. Let's limit this relationship. And that banker talked for ruin his life They called our notes, and I was dumb. I had done 90-day notes because I was doing fix and flip this house before there was cable TV to tell you how. And I actually really did it too, Um, lots of it. And and so they called our notes, and another banker heard we were in trouble and called another 800,000, and we spent the next two and a half years of our life losing everything we owned. I had met Jesus on the way up. I got to know him on the way down. We hit bottom, we hit hard. The brand new baby and a toddler and our marriage hanging on by a thread. Finally, we were bankrupt at 28 years old. I had an I surrender all moment. I'm not talking about a Baptist altar call. I surrendered. I can't do this. I don't know how to be a daddy. I don't know how to be a husband. I obviously don't know anything about money. I have a degree in finance. I have all these letters and licenses after my name, but I'm bankrupt. I surrender all. See, Jesus is not my, co- Jesus is not my co-pilot. He's the pilot. And so I said, if it's in here, we're doing it. If it's not in here, we're not doing it. If it says don't do it, we don't do it. Now, you have to have those moments in your life where you decide something is the truth or something isn't, and I guess I could have walked away from my faith, my young baby faith at that moment, as easy as I walked headlong in, but I decided this was more real than what my finance professor had taught me, which was borrow all you can. (laughs) And he was broke. (laughs) Broke finance professors like a shop teacher with missing fingers. So we decide we're gonna go through this thing and okay, this is how we're gonna do marriage. Submit yourselves one to another. Oh, Lord, <laughs> means I gotta dry dishes. I gotta change diapers. Hmm. My kids are like, Dad, what's this rod stuff? And I'm like, come here, baby, I'll show you. And <laughs> 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 Some of you don't like that and you're what's wrong with America. <laughs> I found out there's 2,500 scriptures on how to handle money and possessions. Jesus talked more about money than he did about love and grace combined in the parables and the red letters. Now, sometimes when he was talking about money, it was a dual message. He had a spiritual message and a money message, but there was money that he used to talk about us and how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to inherit the kingdom of God and It's really clear, too, and it's almost like everybody was ignoring it, including me, because I didn't even know it was there. I said, this is how we're gonna start living, and we started living this way, and I had that moment where you change. I had a bunch of young people on my team. I got about 900 folks on our team these days at our offices, and a whole bunch of them are you know, in their 20s, and I had this one young guy. He was doing the stuff he was supposed to be doing wrong, and I was like, hey, don't do it that way that's wrong okay here's how you do it okay i come back and he's doing it wrong again And i'm like dude i just showed you don't do it that way there's a right way and a wrong way to do things you're doing it the wrong way and i own the place and i said do it the other way i sign your check (laughs) i come back later he's doing it wrong again. I'm like, son, we're going to set you free in Jesus' name. (laughs) He looks at me and he said, I'm not like you. And I said, change. (laughs) You don't have to be like me, but you do have to do it the right way. When you're doing something the wrong way, you should change. In Christianity, we say when you're walking the wrong way, you're doing something wrong in your life, you should stop and you should change. And when you turn the other way, we call that repentance. Stop doing stupid stuff that brings harm to you, your family, that's not working, quit doing the same thing over and over again that's not working and expecting a different result, that's the definition of insanity, change. You gotta change. And so if you're sitting there with no money, it ain't working. You need to change. If your marriage isn't going well, you gotta change something you're doing. You can't just keep going. "Eh, eh, eh, eh." saying the same thing for 20 years looking at her. She keeps looking at you like you're a fool. You got to change. Something's not working. It's time to change it and find out what Scripture says. And if it doesn't align with, if something in your life doesn't align with scriptural truth, pain is on the way. It's not because God's mad at you. He just set these principles in place. The law of gravity, you know, it is not different for snowflakes. They all fall with the law of gravity. Each of you are unique and Jesus loves you, but you will be in a pile with the law of gravity. There are these laws that are in place and you don't get to decide. They're there independent of your feelings. And I had to look at this and go, the way I'm handling money, I'm stupid. Didn't work, I'm broke. I got little babies. My wife was... You know, she said she would have left, but she didn't have a car. (laughs) You know, money fights, you can have some good money fights, right? I mean, Sharon's from the hills of East Tennessee. Frying pan throwing, there's an Olympic event. (laughs) So we discovered these five things in Scripture, and we started doing them 37 years ago. And it's not easy, but it's easier than being stupid. It's easier than being broke. It's easier than the stuff we tried that didn't work. And here's the five things. If you do them, they'll work for you every single time. 100% of the time. And to the extent you don't agree with them, you're what's known as wrong. (laughs) Because they're not mine, they're God's. And they're grandma's. They used to be called common sense, but they're not common sense anymore. First one is get on a budget. Live on a budget. Jesus said, don't build a tower without first counting the cost, lest you get halfway up and you're unable to finish. And all who see you began to mock you. And say, this man began to build and was unable to finish." You would never build a $4 million building, a $400,000 building without a detailed blueprint. And yet you have more than that flow through your hands in your working lifetime called your income times all those years you worked is way more than that and no written plan whatsoever. If you work for a company called you incorporated and your job for money for you incorporated was to manage money for you incorporated and you manage money for you incorporated the way you manage money for you now, would you fire you? Don't answer that. And yet we have the unmitigated gall to say, Lord Jesus, send me money. I'm stupid, but send me money. And he says, no, son, because no is an answer to prayer. Did you know that? He looks at you and says, I love you. I love you so much. I sent my son for you. No way I'm sending you money. I love you too much because did you know if you get something you can't handle, a blessing is not a blessing. It's called a curse. You dump money on somebody who doesn't know how to handle money, what's it do? It ruins their life. And he says, instead, right after the parable of the talents, which was one of the times Jesus talked about money, he said, instead, when you are faithful in the little little things, you'll be given, not like when you pray a lot and you're still stupid. (laughs) That isn't what it said. It said, when you start behaving and showing that you know how to, Plant corn, then corn will grow. You will reap what you sow. When you're faithful in the little things, then you'll be given more to manage. You do not give an employee at your organization, if you're a leader, more responsibility when they don't handle what they already have well. It's illogical. And it brings harm to the employee and everyone they touch, the customers and the people they're supposed to be leading. I don't raise raise people up through leadership who don't have people skills. Think about it. It's common sense. God's very commonsensical. John Maxwell says a budget is people telling their money what to do instead of wondering where it went. On paper, on purpose, before the month begins, every dollar has an assignment for the rest of your life starting right now. Change. (laughs) That's being faithful in the little things. Or I have a budget in my head. No, you don't. No, there's other crap in your head, but there's not a budget there. Okay, stop it. Stop being a baby. Okay, adults devise a plan and follow it. Children do what feels good. No one accidentally wins. They don't interview the guy at the end of the Super Bowl and go, "Hey, man, how'd you win the Super Bowl?" I don't know. Just get off the bus, and it just. No one accidentally wins. It's an intentional. Act. As a matter of fact, it's a series of incremental intentional acts that cause people to win. No one has an accidental glorious marriage. I met this lady one time. She said, my husband and I have never had a fight. I said, it's because you lie. Of course you've had a fight. You're just, I mean, really? I've never had a fight. That, what a, no one believes that, and you really don't either. And she's all offended, of course, because... Jesus told her to say that, but. <laughs> Second thing is we got to get out of debt. The borrower is slave to the lender. A hundred percent of the time. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. What happens is we go to school and we get us a student loan because you can't be a student without a student loan. And we sign up for six credit cards and get a car we can't afford. Then we get a house we can't afford. And we just keep on and keep on and keep on. And people come in my office, they look like this all the time. They're going, Dave, can you get me out? I'm like, yeah, but it's gonna hurt. We're gonna amputate the Tahoe. It's gonna hurt. Your broke friends are gonna think you're crazy, which is always a good sign that you're on track with money if your broke friends don't like your plan. Your mother thinks you joined a cult. I understand, but you gotta make a decision, I'm done. I don't borrow money anymore. We're gonna light the candles at the kitchen. We're gonna have the kids sit down at the table. We're gonna get the scissors out and we're gonna, look at that, you know what that card is called? That card is called freedom. Is that backwards? <laughs> That's ridiculous. American distress. We're going to have a plastic surgery party. Citibank. What's in your wallet? Money. <laughs> Chase this, right? Unbelievable. Discover <laughs> freedom. Yeah. You don't have any credit cards? Nope. I quit borrowing money because I can't find it in the Bible. It's not a sin. It's certainly not a salvation issue, but 100% of the references all through Scripture studied for 30 years and argued with Pharisees the whole time. You know how that is. <laughs> Done all the Bible studies. Let's do a Bible study together. Okay, let's get the Hebrew out and, say, and show you you're wrong again. You know, So 100% of the references to debt are negative. It's a curse you're a fool. You're a slave. Every time it's mentioned, it's not a salvation issue. God loves people with a master card. He's not mad at you. That's not the issue. But they did call it a master card. Wow. Old boy call me from Texas. You know the Average car payment in America today is $502 over 84 months, according to the National Auto Dealers Association. And if you just didn't have a car payment and invested that from age 30 to age 65, you'd have $5.2 million in your Roth IRA. I think you could retire in, in the house of the wiser. Stores of choice food and oil, that would be, it'd be neat, wouldn't it, to have that happen? And You know, old boy called me from Texas, and he's like, Dave, are you gonna kill me? I said, hey, I'm gonna kill you, you're in Texas, I'm in Tennessee, how can I kill you? I said, what'd you do? And he goes, my truck, what'd you do with your truck? I have a $769 truck payment. He said, say what? I said, dude, how much is your house payment? He said, I live in a double wide, 550. I said, man, if your, if your truck payment is bigger than your house payment, you might be a redneck. <laughs> wow, unbelievable. See, if you didn't have any payments, you know what you'd have? Money. Most people work their whole lives to give other people their paycheck. Feel like a rat in a wheel, and they run, 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 and 67 years old, have a heart attack, and die. Broke. Or, I sure hope the government, which is well known for its ability to handle money, will take care of me. <laughs> well, that's a dumb idea. It's also not in Scripture. Scripture. So once you're out of debt, then maybe you would save money in the house of the wiser stores of choice food and oil. Food and oil. In Solomon's time, the wisest man that's lived, when he wrote the book of wisdom, food, choice food, was a sign of wealth. You and I eat choice food every day. But this was a rich people, peasant culture. There was no middle class. Hummus and olives or choice food. That was it. Okay? Mediterranean, you understand what we're talking about, where this is written. And so choice food is a sign of wealth. Oil is a sign of God's spirit. It's used to keep the lamps lit in the holy of holies. It's used to anoint kings. It's used as a sign of God's spirit. It could be used as a medium of exchange like we use green president's faces. In the house of the wise are stores of money. Choice food and oil are indications of wealth. Wise people save money. I'm living by faith. Good. Then have the faith, believe the scriptures, and save some money. Because when you're faithful with the little things, you'll be given more to manage. If you're not saving any money, it's time to change. You gotta decide what to do. And then you need to foster high quality relationships. It's a financial principle. You become who you hang around with, did you know that? You know that because you don't let your kids hang around with little Johnny if little Johnny's a weed head because you know your kid will be a weed head like little Johnny. And yet we hang around with people Who are misbehaving in areas of their life. And I'm not talking about who you're nice to or who you minister to. I'll be nice to anybody or minister to anybody. I'm talking about who my closest friends are that impact my life. Did you know you talk like them? You read the same books they read. You watch the same stuff on Netflix. You will have an income within 10% of your closest, average of your closest 10 friends' income. Some of you are going, I need some new friends. You're going to become who you hang around with. If you hang around with generous people, you'll be one of them. If you hang around with people with conspicuous consumption and they're always worried about what they can buy and put it on Instagram to impress people that don't even really know them, then you're going to be one of those shallow souls. Hope I wasn't too personal. Hope I was. (laughs) And lastly, be outrageously generous because... God loves a cheerful giver. I mean, think about it. If you were out of debt and you had a plan and you had saved money and you sat down next to someone somewhere who had a need, it would be a natural byproduct of a Jesus follower to help them. But most Jesus followers can't help other people because they're just trying to get their light bill paid because they don't have a plan, they're in debt, and they don't have any savings. And they're hanging around with people that are acting exactly the same way and look exactly like all the people out there look, we're not different. We are the same bankruptcy rate, the same divorce rate. It's time that changed. It's time Scripture infected this thing called Christianity at a different level and caused us to be a different people. We should be winning in these areas of our lives. We have the book. And it's time to change. Outrageous generosity for the evangelical Christian begins with a tithe at your local church. That's a baseline. I'm not even talking about that, though. I'm just talking about you become a generous person, not you just give money away. Generous people smile more. They're happy. They open doors for other people. They're kind. Generous people are grateful people. They're easy to hang around with. Everyone likes them, not because they get money from them, but they're just more likable than selfish people. And they have a tendency to prosper as a result. They tend to get more promotions and more opportunities and more other things. I highly recommend it. The cool thing is you can just change (laughs) and decide. Not only am I going to be generous, I am going to become a generous. It's going to be a character quality of mine. Try this one out. We'll close up with this because they told me the Holy Spirit leaves at 30 minutes. (laughs) Thanksgiving's coming. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get the kids ready to go to Grandma's house Thanksgiving morning. and I just want you to go 30 minutes early, though. And On your way to Grandma's house, what I want you to do is I want you to pull up in front of Waffle House and pull right in front of the window at Waffle House Thanksgiving morning. Leave the kids in the car. Leave the car running if you want. Leave mama or daddy in the car. I don't care what. Go in there and sit at the counter. You don't need to sit at one of the little tables. Sit up right there at the counter at the Waffle House. And she'll come up and she'll pour your coffee. And you don't even have to drink the coffee if you don't want. What I want you to do is I want you to take three of these $100 bills. I want you to slip them under that cup. And I want you to just slide out and go sit down in the car and say, Baby kids, kids, kids turn off the stuff. Watch God. Watch what God's doing. Watch what God does. Let me tell you what she'll do. Because you know who's working in Waffle House on Thanksgiving morning? Somebody needs a job bad. She's working Waffle House, and it's Thanksgiving morning. And she'll pick that up. And I've seen her do it. It's fun to watch. And she'll look like it's a trick it's been so long since anything good's happened to her. She wasn't sure she had anything to be thankful for on Thanksgiving. And she'll put it right here. And even if she's not a person of faith, even if she prayed that morning or she hadn't prayed in 20 years... She'll say a little prayer. She'll go. By now, everybody in your car is crying. Watching God show off. And you know what she'll do? A Snoopy dance. I dare you to have more fun with 300 bucks than that. I don't mind you going out on a nice date night and doing something fun with your family and spending money on your family, you should. He that doesn't take care of his own household is worse than an unbeliever. You should do some stuff for your family and do that occasionally, but occasionally do what I just talked about or something like that. Put some tires on some single mom's car. Do something that's outrageously generous. Show off. Let God show off through him working through you and let your family watch that. You'll change your family tree. The kids watching that are changed. More's caught than taught with kids. You can talk to them all you want. They watch him show off with generosity. They can't keep but from becoming generous people. And when generous is your why, you'll get out of debt. When generous is your why, you'll save money. When generous is your why, you'll get on a budget. Because now you get to have fun like that. I dare you to have more fun with 300 bucks than that. You can't do it. That's about as good as life gets right there. God loves a cheerful. Get yourself in a position that you can be generous like that. Teach your people to get in a position that they can be generous like that. I know people just like you. I've worked with you for 30 years. I know exactly who you are. I've met some of you today. I'll meet some of you tomorrow. I'll meet some of you a year from now when you do your debt-free scream. I know exactly who you are the kind of people I am, people that love people, people that love their families, people that want a future and a hope, I'm proud of you. I believe in you. I know you can do this. It's time to change. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So we have a class called Financial Peace University that we have taught in 50,000 churches to over six million people over the last 25 years. Pastor Randy Frazier, thank you brother, came up with this idea to get the entire city of Kansas City to do this at one time, go through this class at one time because it could revolutionize generosity in the city. It could revolutionize family trees being changed in the city. It could revolutionize marriages who were on the rocks because of money problems being saved in the city. A hundred and ten churches have joined arms. These are your pastors, Kansas City. They're standing for you. They're standing up for you. They want good things for you. You know why? Because that's what pastors always want. They can't keep themselves from being that. That's why they're pastors. You're good men and women. Thank you. I'm honored to be on this journey with you. I'm honored to have been a little part of this. Randy, what you guys have pulled off here where you have joined arms and been unified on a singular cause it sets a standard for other cities to look at. It's a, it's a real thing that's happening here. Across racial barriers, across language barriers, across socioeconomic barriers, arms have been joined. This is where unity takes place, is in the body of Christ. And it's most beautiful when it occurs here. Thank you for being beautiful. Thank you for leading and beautiful.